good chef. Nope. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Why the f*** do I watch this game? One of the local writers, Adam Hoagie or Hog, excuse me, I don't know how to pronounce the last name. From CHGO, it's Adam Hogue. Hey, George. Hi, Adam. Uh, and from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. Adam Johns, go ahead. Hey, Matt, how, how you doing? Um, Coach Ditka versus the Hurricane, who would win? Ditka, Ditka. Hold on, hold on, hold on. The name of the Hurricane is Hurricane Ditka. Here they are. Hogan Johns. Good morning. Welcome in Hogan Johns with you on a live edition. And we are accidentally wearing the same damn t-shirt. It's a rich shirt. That happens like twice a month, I feel like. Yeah. It's a good one, though. Smells clean. Is clean. Um, We we are setting the over-under on John sneezes in this show (laughs) at one and a half. The allergies are barking this morning for him. Bad. So, Bad. yeah. You're inside your house. We got to get well, you a better air I, filter. I was, I was just outside my house. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there you go. Um, it's all anyway. over me. <laughs> Welcome in. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. You can read John Z on The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. You can find me, allchgo.com. And uh, we got live shows for you every day at noon, as well as my newsletter available for you on CHGO. Uh, for the diehards, you could sign up for that. And uh, big news here on the show, because uh, yesterday we were about 97% ready to go live and launch this stuff. And then John just swooped in after not <laughs> responding to text messages for like three hours and was like, okay, and he tweets it out. First of all, I, I saw the message that said it's good to go live. I'm like, okay. <laughs> then, then I'll. I, I almost did it like three hours earlier, but then I went into a meeting. So then I came out of the meeting and then I saw the let's go live message. It's good well, to go. Well, I'm glad that you didn't do it three hours earlier because it was not ready. It was not ready to uh, take any orders. But yeah, we have a, uh, a, an, a like our own official shop that it's still obvious shirts. The obvious shirts guy set it up for us. But instead of, you know, going through obviousshirts.com and, you know, they have, a, and by the way, we still encourage you to go to obviousshirts.com all the time and buy up all their merchandise. But this is just an easier way to go straight to our collection. And you just go to hoganjohns.com. It's all right there for you. Those guys set it up. You can order right there on the website. Uh, it's still obvious shirts, it's still their products, it's still them, you know, fulfilling the orders and everything. And we appreciate them putting that together for us. And then uh, in conjunction with the new website, um, you know, these guys finally convinced me to go against what I've been trying to avoid for years and years and years, which is another damn Twitter account to take uh, take care of. It's but, because uh, they carried us on their backs for yes. a five hour round of golf because they because well, I, I was god awful. You were all right. I was really bad, but uh, I have to say, and if you're watching on YouTube right now live, you can you can see the awesome website they they put together for us hoganjohns.com it's all there for you um you're a much better golfer than you showed last week yeah i can vouch for you on that yes. but you were horrible especially for the first three holes <laughs> i mean <laughs> i couldn't get off the tee box <laughs> you actually you actually were our most consistent driver off the tee um the problem is that you were just consistently in a 90 degree angle to the right yes 
And I shouldn't talk. I have an awful slice. 50 but, yards straight, but 175 <laughs> yards that way. But they're slicing, and then there's just hitting it straight that sure. way. Yeah. It's okay. At least I started hitting it off the tee as, as opposed to the five breakfast ball they should have had to start the round. <laughs> well, hang on now. We're, we don't want it to be accused of cheating here or anything. <laughs> no, uh, Devin from Obvious Shirts just bombing 315-yard drives right down the middle consistently. That helped us a little bit. That is not an exaggeration, everybody. It's, wow. And Joe could hit him, too. It was fun. We had a good time. Um, anyway, it's all there for you. And But... Please, uh, and I'm going to get around to doing this this morning because we uh, check out the new Twitter account. It's just at Hogan Johns on Twitter. Please give us go, give us a follow. Uh, we want to grow that thing as fast as possible, and uh, we're already off to a pretty, pretty good start. Let's see here. We launched this thing not even 24 hours ago. We're already uh, almost to 1,700 followers on Twitter, and we are giving away a Hogan Johns T-shirt for every 500. So that means we already got three to give away and uh, check it out on uh, Twitter to be eligible to win one of those shirts. You have to uh, retweet the uh, the original tweet that said, you know, you have to retweet this and follow the account to be eligible. So that's there in the timeline. You don't have to scroll too far. Uh, so we will give three of those away today. And I have a feeling by the time people listen to this, we'll probably be giving away four. So keep it going. Uh, we got up to 20 shirts to give away, and we want to get that account growing as fast as possible. As always, we appreciate the support. Thank you for being here live with us this morning. If you are, of course, many people listening the old-fashioned way later on the podcast, we appreciate you as well. So um, we are open to questions, and um, you can jump in with questions, super chats, however you want to do it. Um, we will take your questions. But, John's the uh, dust has settled for the most part. There's still probably going to be a lingering roster move here and there. Um, but we pretty much know the 53-man roster now after the first wave of waiver claims and some new guys are here, but it's not quite the turnover that we had last year when the Bears claimed six players. I think the the lingering question I see in the chats here a little bit, or the chat here a little bit, is like, why did Travis Gibson and then Terrell Lewis, your best two pass rushers in the preseason, not make the team. Ian Cunningham and Ryan Poles talked about scheme fit, but at the same time, you know, when it's third down and need someone to rush the passer, Gibson and Lewis both produce in in the preseason. So I'm curious to, to your thoughts first before I give you mine. Well, you know, I think there's something to be said for scheme fit, you know, and they did see Travis Gibson for a year in this defense. And the one thing that I was a little worried about with um, the preseason results, nobody can deny the results were good. Travis Gibson had a great preseason, and certainly you can point that and go, well, how is this a scheme thing? He looks pretty damn good as a 4-3 defensive end. How many of those reps came against starting caliber tackles? Yeah, thank you. Perfect. Thank you. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, and I think that that's probably when they kept going over and over the tape. And, and some of that was out of their control because they didn't face starters that much. Yeah. Indy didn't play their starters. I think the Titans never really did put their starters out there. Um, obviously, their starting quarterback never played. And then the Bills played for like a series. So, you know, there there's only so much you can control in the preseason. They had to go off the tape 
of practice, really. And what did it look like when Travis Gibson went against Darnell Wright or Braxton Jones in practice? And the reality is, if you remember, before he broke out in the preseason game, our conversation about Travis Gibson was how quiet it had been and how he had been the last, he ended up as the last guy on the depth chart. And we thought everything, the writing was on the wall. That turned out to be true. He just, they just didn't really feel like he was a fit for this defense and it's a scheme thing. And you're just going to have to trust that, unfortunately. Yeah. We never saw Lewis or Gibson not never not be what the fifth or sixth defensive end when they came through the rotations. And then you had Ngakwe, and you, you move down even further. Walker comes back from his injury. You move down even further. When those two guys are out and not practicing, there's Machine Green and Dominic Robinson getting the first team reps against Darnell Wright and Braxton Jones. So, and that never changed. So, our expectations were that Gibson and, and Lewis were on the bubble. Um, we weren't surprised by it. It's always a little bit awkward when Lewis is like on that first 53 man roster. Like, not only just like the one that's online, but the one that's on the hard copy, like distributed to you at practice. Like, here's the roster for practice. And you go out there, and he's not out there because the Bears already, you know, waived him and claimed someone else on waivers. But that's that's what happens. Um, I don't think they they changed or anything they would do would, would change their minds. Uh, yes, they need pass rushers, whatnot. But let's not overrate what they were. There weren't they're not like some special ascending talent that's going to make you or force you to change your mind about where they are in the depth chart. And we never saw that in training camp in those practices, and we never saw that. We saw some of that maybe in the preseason, but it was against competition that was eventually waived as well. Uh, by the way, and there is some news this morning on Travis Gibson, uh, Jeremy Fowler, who was actually the uh, originally the one to report the uh, that the Bears gave him permission to request a trade. By the way, I just want to clear that up. I don't think anyone ever reported that, that Travis Gibson requested a trade. Did, did you see that anywhere? I mean, I know that's what it turned into on Twitter, but I'm just yeah. saying, like, no one actually reported that. What was reported was that the Bears gave him permission, which is another to look for a trade, which is another way of saying, hey, Mr. Agent, we're not going to keep your client, but if you want to start looking for a better home, you're more than welcome to. And that stuff does happen. Um, but according to Jeremy Fowler, he is signing. Travis Gibson is signing with the Titans. Uh, there is no clarification, though, as to whether or not that is practice squad or not. But he is signing with the Titans, and that is more of a 3-4. They run, they run a 3-4 defense. It's kind of a hybrid like most of those are. But there you go with the scheme. Better scheme fit for him, probably. Yeah, good for him. You know, I, I'll, I'll give this much credit for Travis Gibson for... There is a lot of like fans of his, and and I get it. Like he is, he flashed a lot like two years ago with with seven sacks. Scheme change. He goes from uh, what was he? He was like a five technique, right? Coming out of college with it, like hand in the dirt, defensive lineman a bit. Yes. Uh, yeah. And then he goes to three four outside linebacker. Then he goes to the defensive end uh, in in this system. So it's it's been a they have a bit of whirlwind for a, a young player. It's hard to find your footing when you have that much change, that much scheme change in your career. But in three sacks last year, everybody, it is what it is at this point. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't lose too much sleep over it. Um, I think what's interesting is he goes to a team that 
he played well against in the preseason, right? The Titans saw him up close. The Bears end up signing Khalid Kareem from the Colts, who played well against them in the preseason. Um, and that's who ends up taking Terrell Lewis's roster spot. So this little shuffling, Kendall Vildor ended up with the Titans, too. I don't really remember Kendall Vildor making any big plays against the Titans in that, Titans in that preseason game. But um, obviously the Bears liked what they saw from Kareem because they went out and signed him. And, and I think that this is important, too. He's just thinking about Matt Eberflus and Allen Williams. Look, as much as we've all talked in this offseason that they got to get a pass rush, they clearly value defensive ends that can play the run, too. And Ian Cunningham straight up said it yesterday. Terrell Lewis, great pass rusher. They felt like Kareem is a better run defender. And I think that's fair. As much as they didn't get after the passer, they didn't really stop the run last year. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was bringing up those stats real quick. You want how many rushing yards the Bears a lot last year? A million. <laughs> well on their way, but the season ended. It was a record. Uh, yeah. 2,674. Only one team allowed more. It was the Houston Texans. The Bears allowed 31 rushing touchdowns. 31 rushing touchdowns. That's the most in the league. They allowed 4.9 yards per carry, 157.3 rushing yards per game. That is the second most, again, behind the Texans, who were just an awful team last year. Yeah. So um, that's how it stands, a defensive end. And and you know what's the funny thing is? I feel like because they haven't practiced that much. Guys, let's not forget. This team is Yannick Ngakwe and Demarcus Walker. And those are the guys that were brought in to really improve that position. And if you're thinking about like that, call it what you want, the NASCAR package where you have your best four pass rushers on the field. Walker slides inside. Dominic Robinson takes the field. You know, there's still some options for the Bears to to move to move guys around where you don't need that that Travis Gibson like role where it's just five or six snaps per game. I think they like what they could get out of Robinson and Green, especially in those early down situations when running the when the running probability is higher. So I'm I'm glad you brought up Robinson because. I feel like he's a low-key um, X factor for this defense because it, in having this conversation about them moving on from Travis Gibson and Terrell Lewis, the reality is is that we could talk about the guys they brought in instead, but it's more so that they kept Dom Rob. And I don't... I wouldn't really describe his preseason or his training camp as anything special. Like all of a sudden there's this breakout player coming and they're kind of betting that he's going to continue to develop. And remember a very raw player had a great start to last season and then just sort of disappeared. But if he really is going to be that guy that comes on the field on third and longs in that NASCAR package, well, he's got to get home. Yeah. Sometimes. Yep. So that's that's like a low-key important part of this defense this season. I have a story up on the athletic right now where I talked about the different moves he's developed. We talked about the different moves he's developed over the years and 
specifically became a story about his matchup with Braxton Jones. And I got Braxton Jones input. Uh, they're just tough matchups with each other, just in terms of what they each do well and what they've each added to their own skill set. So if you're into the, not so much X's and O's, but real football stuff, check it out. Uh, they think the, the matchup is great for each other. Uh, I want to say that where the inspiration came for that story was it was that it was, I think we were standing next to each other, Adam, in the back of the end zone where Dominic Robinson actually had that one big flash where he got around Braxton Jones and sacked Justin Fields in that two minute drill where Eberflus called it dead right there because Robinson was back there so fast. Where if there was live contact, you're thinking worse things for Justin Fields because he was so fast in that backfield, Robinson was. Um, check it out. It's on the athletic, especially if you're into like, Learning about bull rushes and two hand swipes and, and stuff like that. Um, should we move a little bit to the offense? Some of the additions there, and really a key one, a guy who might be a week one starter, and already is a legend in Chicago. I think he's already hanging out with Bob Dabrowski somewhere in the city. Dan Feeney, Southside guy, Sandberg. Um, I know we have a question here from Brian Curley in the comments. Does Feeney start game one? And if so, does Cody move back to center when his hand is healed? Where are you at on this? Well, if you watched yesterday, didn't we see Feeney snapping the ball? Yeah. Yeah, I think Feeney... And from what I could tell, I didn't notice a huge difference between Cody's two hands. Well, to, he usually has those like those big gloves on. One wasn't taped yeah. up. I didn't look specifically at it. Too cool. Too I close. I think there were gloves on. Yeah. So, don't know, but I will not be shocked if Dan Feeney is your starting center. And doesn't it feel like there's more behind this move to guard than just that injured hand for Cody Whitehair? I'm not sure they were loving the snaps. Or maybe he just wants to go back. You know, Tom Thayer said something very interesting on the pregame. I think it was last week where he talked about the difference, how much of a difference those shotgun snaps can actually be for Justin Fields in getting a tight spiral as opposed to what he called a knuckleball from Cody Whitehair. <laughs> so it's not just the accuracy. It's also the speed of the snap and how that ball literally lands in your hand. You got to find the laces. It. You got to yeah. find the laces, yeah. And if we're talking about a quarterback that we keep having these conversations about with anticipation and timing, maybe it's not the end of the world that he has to find the laces, but a more consistent snap at this high level of football, one less thing to worry about. I would say any level of football. Sure. Like if you ever if you ever hear like NFL long snappers like talk about their craft, like if you ever just watch Patrick Scales during a practice, you're like that dude is just literally snapping the whole time. Like what 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 isn't that boring? But you don't understand these guys literally measure and count the rotations. They're throwing spirals through their legs. Is essentially what they're doing, and they are. If they don't get the laces to the holder's hand exactly how they want it, it messes up the timing and rhythm of a kick. Maybe not quite as important 
for a quarterback who's getting that many snaps throughout a game, but it still can make a difference. So I just find that interesting, and I feel like it's part of the equation here with the center spot. If you have concerns, it's can Dan Feeney speak the language that the Bears want right now in terms of taking control of that offensive line, right? Yeah. Center is extremely important. Now there's ways to offset that. Guards can have an active role communicating up and down the line. They could call out certain things that need to be seen and addressed at the quarterback. The quarterback himself can take more of a lead role in that. Justin Fields should. Year three, he should know the offense a lot better than he did at this point last year. But there's a lot of – there's typically a lot of responsibilities on that center to take control of in terms of where the blocking assignments are, are going to be. You got but, something? But if you're nervous about the idea of Justin Fields working with a brand-new center that he hasn't been working with all offseason in training camp, I think it's a completely fair thing to feel a little, little uneasy about. Like, we saw Josh Sitton come in here, remember? On short notice, in one week, and he was basically the Bears starter all year, except for when he, I think he was hurt maybe a little bit. But that was guard. Like, it's different at center. So, but Cody Whitehair can help, even if he's playing left guard. Like, he could still help with that. Um. Mark is asking, is Lucas Patrick still injured? No, he's not. He was a full participant from what we could tell yesterday, but he has not stayed healthy. And I like the idea of Feeney over Patrick at this point, and apparently the Bears do too. Which was another small thing that I thought was very interesting about their 53-man roster, that they kept Doug Kramer. Now, maybe that injury he suffered the other day prevented them from waiving him without an injury settlement. Um... But they've spoken so highly of him. And it didn't seem like they like they inflated what they were saying about him either. They weren't exaggerating it. Right, but then why keep Lucas Patrick? You know what I mean? Like you essentially have three centers on your roster, but are gonna play a brand new one? It hasn't been there. That doesn't exactly speak confidence about the other ones. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, there's something there that just doesn't quite add up. Maybe they just want players to add up to more. Yeah. <laughs> like, seriously, seriously, like, yeah. They, they, a lot of those guys in the interior have been hurt. Like, all of them Tevin Jenkins, Nate Davis, Cody Whitehair, Lucas Patrick, Doug Kramer, all hurt at some time during training camp in the preseason. They just needed more. More. Yeah. All right. Um, we got Kent, you want to throw some other questions up here? We can go with pretty much anyone. Um, this is still on the offensive line. Pickles? Is that how you say that username? Very good. Pickles. Spelled wacky. P-I-K-U-H-L-Z. Uh, if Cody moves the left guard, what happens when Tevin returns from injury? You know what no coaches call that? A good problem to have. Yeah. Well, Tevin's going to miss the first four weeks of the season, by the way, if not more. But a minimum of four by going on injured reserve, which Ryan Poles confirmed. Um, then you're talking about a ramp-up period, so maybe five or six weeks. So let's let's get there when we get there. But And I hate to say it, by that point, someone else is going to be hurt. Look at how this thing's been going. 
I have a feeling it'll work itself out just based on who's actually available. I do like the two former offensive linemen who are now the Bears' two top decision makers in football, basically acknowledging that, you know what, this is an okay thing because guys are going to get hurt anyway. Let these other guys play. <laughs> but seriously. Yeah. I'll give you the list again. Again, all five of those players at some point were hurt in training camp in the middle of your offensive line. I just can't imagine that those guys are thrilled that this is still an issue here. Like you think when they get in that those those meeting rooms that they're just like, come on. Like how is this still a thing? They haven't figured it out. You understand why they spent a six round pick on Dan Feeney. Uh, Josh here with a question. How surprised are people going to be about Valus's role in the offense? Is he going to be a gadget guy? And I, I think there's actually competition for that role in a sense in Tyler Scott. Smaller player, but again, you're, if you want to insert speed and separation, both of them can supply that. Uh, Valus Jones Jr. is a bit bigger, a bit more rugged with the ball in his hands. Tyler Scott is, is faster, but... I think they're going to be competing for certain roles and certain snaps in that offense. Well, I think they're going to be competing to be active on game day. And and I think the X factor there is um, who they trust more to return kicks. Like, And I think right now they definitely trust Bayless, but Tyler Scott did a decent job. He had one, nice, really, one really nice return the other day. He also got hammered twice. Uh, on kick return. So I'd be a little worried about that. Did you see the video of him like uh, on the sideline? I think it was like the first preseason game where he's basically acknowledging that they, that they hit harder at this level. Yeah. And he's not a big guy. I would, I'd probably trust Bayless Jones more of that Cordero Patterson type body to return those kicks and withstand the rigors of that. That is not an easy job and you take big hits. I, I also keep coming back to this and I apologize if I'm repeating myself, but go back and watch those last few games from last season. Valus Jones got better on offense. He did some things. He had some nice catches downfield. He was he was starting to find a role in that offense. And I have to imagine that that struck a chord with these guys in the offseason. They were envisioning what they drafted was finally starting to work out on offense. So my guess right now is that they roll with Valus. If it's choice between the two to be active in week one, I think they roll with Valus as the kick returner. And yes, I, I think people might be surprised that maybe he gets five touches in that first game. That wouldn't surprise me. There's also a role on the coverage units that we've seen both of them take reps at in terms of whether it's punt return or punt gunner or part of that kickoff team. You need speed on there too. Bayless is a good gunner. Yeah, need to close the distance. Need to get down the field. That's a good point. All right, what's next? I wanted here? to get some special teams talk in there for you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Big week. Big week. Uh, Robert here, where's the fish man? Practice squad? <laughs> good joke. Oh, no, there's the, the fish man. He's in the comment section. Asking about the practice squad. <laughs> Look at that. That was not planned. He just He just accidentally leaned right into the joke. Yeah, well played, Kent. <laughs> How do you guys think losing Kellen Deesh to the Steelers practice squad impacts the Bears? It's, I actually thought you were calling him Ken there for a second, like Mark Trustman used to do. No, but you were talking no. to Kent, Kent, our producer. Yeah, Kent, well played. Yeah. Ken Fishbane is Kevin Fishbane's father. Yes. But 
Tressman used to call him Ken. Yeah. <laughs> which is great. Yes. yes. Uh, Kellen D should the Steelers practice squad. Uh, um, next question. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't doesn't matter. No, don't care. Cloudy future. So what does the QB situation look like? Uh, Bears going to add a vet quarterback. Why the hesitation on saying Bajant QB2 from Poles and Flus? Yeah, I... I... There was curious to me too, as well, because I think they want to actually get Peterman on the fifty-three, and maybe Bajent isn't fully ready for such a role in a real game, which is okay. Which is okay. He's still a young player, still has potential, still has promise, but he still needs time. I think you want to get him to that point where you feel really good about that. So maybe give him a few weeks, but week one. I could see why the Bears would prefer a Peterman situation over a Bajan situation if Justin Fields has to come out. God, you know, with that logic, though, the the part I'm struggling with that is, as bad as P.J. Walker was, wouldn't you still prefer P.J. Walker to play over Peterman? P.J. signed elsewhere. Yeah, but I'm just saying then you don't cut him in the first place. Um, but you had to create that roster spot. Yeah, you, you needed to to do some maneuvering. It's just to I me, think it's... eventually. Well, I, I think the, the reason you wave this is just we're talking like worst case scenario. Like Bajan's going to be that guy. He is. Maybe just not for week one. Maybe by week three, you'll feel fully comfortable with him coming in in an emergency emergency situation. But I don't think they do right now. Clearly, they they don't because they would have articulated that differently. Yeah, I don't remember all the rules, but you're you're allowed to elevate. How many times you you're allowed to elevate Peterman from the practice squad, like twice or something, right? Wasn't there a rule if he's just out of uh, he just come on the team, right? Like, well, he's got to be in fifty three though, not practice squad. To be the emergency quarterback yeah, on game yeah. day. But both yeah. quarterbacks have to be hurt, and they cannot return to the game if you're going to go that route. And Peterman's right. not on the 53. Right. But I believe there's still the rule that you can elevate a couple guys a week to the active roster, like lingering from COVID. Regardless, like from a coaching standpoint, this probably, I imagine, has to do with, and I would buy this, the Peterman... Peter Mann, the Peter, Peter Mann's Man. command of the entire offense offense is probably greater than if Bajan's going into the game. Your your play sheet is probably condensed all of a sudden, right? And I'm sure it was when he was playing in the preseason too, already condensed from where you would normally have it in the preseason. So that might have something to do with it. But the reality is, unless they're going to make a roster move here, Johns, they're going into the game with... I mean, Bajan's going to have to play if Fields goes out. Yeah. He, Peterman's really on the practice squad. On this worst-case scenario a lot. Um, well, I think if you get to that point, yeah, there's going to be a bit of a, a panic for whoever you put in a bit and things change. Um, I just think they'll get Bajan caught up to where they want him to be sooner than later. And I think there's 
maybe a bit of semi overreaction to what they were saying yesterday, but not like what their lack of like, yeah, yeah, Bajans are QB two on week one. Like, of course, it's going to raise some eyebrows, but it's the backup quarterback situation. You know, when you get to that point, like certain things are going to change regardless. Well, another thing, too, is if you're going to bring in another quarterback from the outside. And by the way, as we record this, Peter Peterman's not even on the practice squad. Yeah. Um, well, Bulls himself said a couple days. So it seems like they got to do some roster maneuvering to to make something work. It, like the sense I have is that he actually wants him on the 53, not the practice squad. Oh. Okay, I was thinking they're just getting them to the practice squad. Interesting. Um, what I was going to say, though, if you're going to bring in a different quarterback, that guy going to learn the offense in a week. You know, so like whoever that X factor guy that they might still be looking for that's not Peterman. I'm just saying, like, that guy, is that guy going to know that be more prepared than Tyson Bajan would be? I don't know. Hopefully, Justin. Regardless, uh, just stay healthy, Justin. Regardless, you know, forget the the lack of commitment and and him being QB two. Like they said, a lot of good things about Bajan. They love his poise, his moxie, his running ability. The way he he looks that he like he's not phased by the NFL just in terms of being overwhelmed. Like Ian Cunningham, almost literally almost literally, was there when Bajant was coming out of the tunnel and just like, this is what scouts do. They read body language. They look, they look into guys' eyes to see how they, they, they feel and what their demeanor is. They feel really good about this kid, his, his potential. I, I thought it was notable that actually Jeff King, who's like the Bears' number three or four football mind, actually saw him in person in college. Yeah. So I, th- I just found that interesting that like quarterback in some capacity was on the Bears' radar for the draft. Yeah. Jeff King went out there uh, with the Northwest area or Northeast area scout last year. And um, actually when we had Ernie McCook shepherd's head coach on CHGO last week, he specifically raved about the bears scouts that came out there. Um, and just like the work they put him through. And um, he was very complimentary towards them. So, and obviously that senior bowl situation helped too with Luke Getze being there. By the way, uh, just a little plug, Jim Nagy from the senior bowl is going to join us on CHGO today um, to, to not only talk about Bajent. I think at some point these Bears fans are almost getting sick of the Bajent hype, um, but the Bears have a lot of guys from the senior bowl that are, that were drafted there on this roster. So we're going to go through a lot of those guys. Plus the college football season starting this are, week. Are so. you telling me that this Bears team took advantage of their extra scouting opportunities down in Mobile? I believe they did. I believe they did. They were a little bit more enthusiastic than uh, when. Uh, Can you name the one Ryan Poles draft pick that is not on the Bears active roster, practice squad, or IR? It's just one player. Every other draft wait, pick is under. From the last two Bears years? Control. Yes. It's 21 players. There's only one player out of all 21. Zach Thomas. The there you go. Zach Thomas. Is signed he off the Bears. I'm not sure, but he was signed off the Bears practice squad last year in November by the Rams. Very yeah. good. Thank you. It's only two years, but you forget those low round guys sometimes. 
Did you just little round guys? <laughs> Low round guys. I'm congested, man. <laughs> Don't you hear me? You are. You sound, voice, you, I'm you sound sick. Yes. We're out at football practice late yesterday, and the weather is like 58 degrees by the end of it. It was cold. I, th- I swear you said those little round. You forget those little round guys. <laughs> you do. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, okay. What else we got here? A couple more. Uh, Mike Fisher. Uh, evening from the Philippines. Is that Cebu? How do you say that, Johns? Cebu. Cebu. Pretty sure it's Cebu. Uh, looking at the running back group, do you think that Herbert and Johnson are going to be a surprise package in the NFL this year? I, I've said it on this show a couple of times. I, I believe, strongly believe, that the Bears can be able to run the ball well again. I like Herbert. I love the way Johnson is just downhill and violent. The Bears, like, that's the style they want. Like, Roshan Johnson. I'm not sure he'll ever be, like, never down, three down back. This guy was a basically a backup in college. But he's got this running style that the Bears just love. Absolutely loved. Runs through tackles. And you know what? Herbert's a good fit, too, just for the, the zone style and the way he he reads things with his landmarks and whatnot. But the Bears are going to run the ball well. They will. I don't know what that means for your fantasy teams, but they're going to move the ball on the ground. Yeah, I would, uh, I would probably stay away from Bears running backs right now in a fantasy football draft just because... <sighs> I, this might seriously be a situation where one week Khalil Herbert leads the team in rushing, another week it's Deontay Foreman, another week it's Roshan Johnson. And let me ask you this, Johns. If you had to pick one who had the most upside, I'm not even saying long-term, but even this year, which one would you pick? Say that again. Who? Which one running back, if you had to pick one, that I said one of these guys is going to... I don't want to even put a yardage on it because it might happen later in the season, but just like one of these guys by the end of the year is going to clearly be the most special running back on the team. Oh, Johnson. Yeah, right? It's Johnson. Uh, I just think it might take some time, though, because we don't know what his... By all accounts, he picks things up very fast, but we don't necessarily know you know, his how comfortable he is with the offense. Remember, once you get to the regular season, this ain't the preseason anymore. You're going in with a large, much larger menu. Much bigger game plan. You got to know it all. You got to prove that you know it all. You got to be good in pass protection, which he's already proven. But you got to know what to do first and foremost, which is why I don't think Roche John Johnson is going to come out of the gate in the first quarter of the season, you know, getting the bulk of the carries. But, but he might he, earn them. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, he earned them during the preseason. He earned them during training camp. Over the last few practices, we saw more and more snaps with with Justin Fields, whether that's team drills or on seven on sevens. I remember a few seven on sevens where it's quick call check downs. Yes, they were if they're going to him. Um where Roshan Johnson puts his shoulder down, he starts running over guys, but not at full goal because they're not fully tackling. Like I, I'm he's high on my list in terms of like how how long does it take for him to get more? Like there's a few players like um, Tyler Scott, Bayless Jones. Like, how, how are they going to get more as the season progresses because of what the Bears say about him, how much they believe in him, especially with Roshan Johnson, how much the Bears want to run the ball. Like week one, five or six carries like would be a safe prediction for me for, for Roshan Johnson. 
Yeah, I mean, on the list of breakout offensive stars, I mean, I put him ahead of Tyler Scott at this point. Weirdly, Velas Jones might be in the conversation. <laughs> I mean, that would definitely be a sleeper situation, but I don't know. It's just something to think about. Um, all right, next question. Saw Mace Dog. Saw that Claypool return to practice. Is he a full go week one? I think so. Should be. Yeah. Uh, there's a question from Cloudy Future about Jaquan Brisker. Similar question. Um, don't know. Don't know. Yeah, for the podcasters who can't see it, are you worried oh, yeah. about Brisker missing week one? Heard he was riding a bike, not practicing. Um, look, if we're going to take these guys at their word, their expectation is that everybody but Tevin Jenkins is going to be good to go week one. Now, I don't know where Doug Kramer fits in that conversation, but... He was riding only, a bike next to Brisker. Yeah, and so was Dylan Cole. But of those guys, like Brisker's... If there's one guy to still be worried about, I feel like, that you don't already know is not going to be out there, it's Brisker. And it's... The one thing I'll say about Jaquan Brisker, he's been out there at practice every day. But it's been weeks since he practiced. It's very weird. Last question. Uh, Brett here. Ryan Clark on ESPN said Jordan Love is better than Justin Fields. Your thoughts? Um, I, I have to imagine there's more context and more nuance to that take. I would imagine and hope so. Um, maybe he was saying he can be better or will be better long term. Randy Mueller, former uh, football executive, um, NFL executive, who's now a writer for the Athletic, ranked He's on the him, Football uh, GM podcast, right? Yeah, on the yes, Athletic yes, Football Show, ranked Love ahead of Fields as well, which I find strange because we haven't seen Love play. Like that, that's like that. It's all a matter of opinion. Yeah. There's got to be more ca- context for every having rankings like this, but. We've seen Justin Fields. We've seen head coaches literally tell Justin Fields to stop it. We have not had that interaction come to fruition for Jordan Love quite yet. And I know Justin Fields has to get better as a passer. He's got to have, he has to throw with more anticipation. He has to get to that check down faster. I understand all those things. But we haven't seen Jordan Love play football. We haven't. We also really haven't seen Justin Fields play football with DJ Moore. Other than in practice. And in practice, it's looked really, really good. And actually, in the preseason games, it's looked really, really good. Before we get out of here on this topic, a couple things. One, listen to Robert Mays and Nate Tice's breakdown of the NFC North. Okay, it's uh, their last episode, unless you listen tomorrow, I think the NFC East one will be out, but the Bears are last, so you have to skip to the end. You should listen to the whole thing to get a breakdown of the whole uh, division, but they had a very interesting conversation, I thought, on Justin Fields, and we know that Nate Tice, from being on the show many times, is a Justin Fields guy. Loved him coming out, still optimistic, but you you do sense just a little bit of hesitation here and I think I'm in this camp too. I just don't know that those that anticipation throws are ever going to be there. And that's okay. I think he can still survive. 
I don't think Jay Cutler was an anticipation thrower. No, he was just like, uh, fuck it, I'm going to throw it. Guy. He was a grip it and rip it type of guy. Yeah. He need, needed, needed to see it. Where, but where I think he can come around still to kind of cover that up is he could still speed up his timing. When, when we, by the way, when we talk about anticipatory throws, we're talking about um, the way Tua, and Justin's better than Tua in a lot of other areas, but watch Tua's tape. He will throw the ball before a receiver is open, right? And we just, we still don't see that a lot with Justin. That's okay. If the chemistry with DJ Moore, with Darnell Mooney, with Cole Komet, with all those guys is still there, they're running the football well, they're using play action. If he does everything else well, they can get by. He can get by, and he could still be very good. He could still be an NFL top 100 player, which he already is. He could still go to Pro Bowls. He could still be very special. That's just the one thing I'm still hung up on. And then the other thing I was going to bring up is, did you see another one of our guys, JT O'Sullivan, the QB school, his breakdown at Justin? Yeah, but that was like the preseason, and there was like some... He was kind of harsh on the bear scheme. So that's the part um, that I disagree with in that video is, it, well, disagree to a point. I think he was right about the scheme questions he was bringing up. I just don't think it matters because I don't think that they were trying to do. I don't think that that's what the scheme is going to look like. Yeah, there's the no game season. plan. In, um, I, I think we're all in agreement that JT O'Sullivan, Chase Daniel, even Ryan Poles and Ian Cunningham, when they're sitting up there, I want to reference something they said. Like they were asked where the passing game has improved, and Ryan Poles mentions anticipation and trust in his receivers. Of course, we're talking about Justin Fields here, and I think the two are so intertwined. Throw with the anticipation. I think you have to trust that your receiver is going to be there and get open to make the play for you. I think Justin Fields has better receivers this year. DJ Moore is a significant upgrade as a number one option. And I think you'll see Fields try some of those anticipation throws, those timing throws with him. More so than you saw last year with anybody who was playing receiver. I hope we see, we see it. I think the Bears hope they see it. Of course they do. That's the next step for Justin Fields. I think it's a very fair evaluation. Yeah. Um, well, there was just really in that entire video that JT did. And again, this is a guy who loves fields and still loves fields. And, and I really hate that. Like we're still in this position. I see in the comments right now, you, you cannot be a field supporter and bring up one negative thing about him. It's just the world we're living in. Fine. He, there's one play in that video. And I, I saw it live in the game, too. But obviously, going back and seeing the coach's film, it's it's even more glaring. But Darnell Mooney comes wide-ass open over the middle. It's not the easiest throw, but it's there. And Fields didn't throw it. And then he rolled out to his right, and I don't even remember the rest of the play. But that's... Okay, it's one snap in the preseason. Not No one should lose their mind over it. Totally agree. But if we are looking at plays in the preseason that you want to see made 
And I'm not talking about us. I'm talking about like the coaching staff. If you're Luke Getze, that's a schemed up shot downfield, which was a goal of theirs going into that game. Throw it. Just like he threw the one to DJ Moore, which wasn't on the money, but at least he threw it. It was one-on-one, man cover. I'm glad he threw it. It wasn't a great throw. It should have been on the back shoulder, and he didn't get it there. But he knew what he had, and he threw it. That's... Anyway, go check it out. I think it's interesting to watch. I think this year, if you're the Bears, you're just excited that there's receivers who can now make plays for your quarterback. And, I, and I've been on this since, like, going back to Jake Cutler. Mm-hmm. I increased my criticism of this for the Bears when they had Mr. Biskey. Because you watch other teams do it. Got to make plays for your quarterback. Like simple plays that become great ones. And we've seen that consistently from some of the best offenses. Like just game changers on the outside, right? Where the short pass to DJ Moore goes for 60 yards and a score. The Chiefs do that all the time. Like that's a touchdown for Patrick Mahomes too. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, watch Travis Kelsey highlights. They're ridiculous. I'm not saying this is going to be Cole Komet, but if the ball is distributed and there's a good vibe going on that offense, you'll see plays like that. I, I think very good is still on the table. Even if he, like I said, even if he doesn't get that, that anticipatory throw thing is like an innate thing that kind of puts you over to the top into the elite level. And maybe he'll get there. Like, I'm all for quarterbacks taking more time than we give them right now in today's NFL to develop. Yeah. And it's possible. And this is part, this goes back to what Robert Mays and Nate Tice talk about when I was bringing up. It's possible that it comes together, but sometimes that's not the, the one thing that can be taught over time. It just sort of happens or it doesn't. But again, even if it doesn't, very good to me is still on the table. Very good. Because of everything you just mentioned too, Johns. The trust with these receivers. Like, look at that throw to DJ Moore that he turned into a big gain. That was not a good throw either. That was low and not, <laughs> not set up for DJ Moore to catch and run with it. And he did it anyway because he's DJ freaking Moore. So there's going to be a lot of plays like that. And that's a good thing. That's a good job by Ryan Poles to, to make that happen. And then you just pray that the offensive line holds up. Yeah. I think my thought on that is like not every throw is going to be perfect. Not every throw is on the money. But sometimes you just have to get it there and let, let your receiver do a bit more with it. Mm-hmm. And now you have one and more. You could do more. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. It's going to be more interesting season than last, where at some point you just knew this is a full rebuild. It's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. Some good players may get traded. That was last year. This year, you hear it from Ryan Poles himself. The expectation is to win more games. Now, it's a low bar, but the roster on paper, I think you can agree on this. It's better. It is better than last year. I think it's it's stacked. Forget comparing the twenty two bear twenty twenty two bears to twenty twenty three bears. It stacks up better with teams in the division as well. Let's make that point clear. 
I think it does. You disagree? No, I agree. I agree. I think that they're they're definitely in position to be a, every year we see it. These teams that go from last to first in the division. And if there's one division where that could happen, I I'd set up that way. Now everybody still seems to be picking the Bears to finish last in the in the north. That's fine. I'll tell you this, I'll be I'll be uh I'll be a little bit disappointed if they're not at least two and two after the first four weeks. Packers, Bucks at Chiefs is obviously a really hard game. Broncos at home. I mean, Why the Bucks, do I feel like they're going to be another dumpster fire? The Broncos? Yeah. Even with Sean Payton there. <sighs> I don't know about dumpster fire because they were horribly coached last year. Last It'll be year better. Like a, a, you know, like a rolling dumpster fire where, you know, the, the dumpster's going down the street and taking more stuff out with it. I do have my concerns, though, that Russell might be just done. Like, is there a scenario that Russell Wilson isn't their starting quarterback by the middle? No, late, there's late way too season? much money there. Sean Payton's kind of a I don't care guy. Oh, it's a lot of money not to care about. Yeah, and you're still on the hook for it next year too. So, um, all right. Well, appreciate everybody being here live with us this morning on YouTube. Of course, you can. Uh, even if you're not here live, you can always go back and watch it on YouTube. We appreciate everybody that is subscribed to our YouTube channel. Please go uh, hit follow on the new Twitter account at Hogan Johns on Twitter. Again, we're giving away uh, a free Hogan Johns t-shirt, uh, one for every 500 new followers on the Twitter account, already up to three. Uh, let's see. Updated amount. Getting closer and closer to 2,000, which will be another T-shirt. So I'm sure we'll get there by the end of the day. Um, and stay tuned on Twitter for um, the giveaways there. And you can also follow us at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. HoganJohns.com, the new merch destination for you. Everything's still coming. It is powered by Obvious Shirts. All of our merchandise is up there. The hats are a go. The hats are in. They're on there. HoganJohns.com. Go check them out. Really excited about that. The polos. Uh, appreciate everybody that purchased those. And, of course, our collection of T-shirts. It's all available for you there. HoganJohns.com. We're going to go enjoy our Labor Day weekend. Get a nice little breather before we dive into week one on Tuesday. We'll talk to you then. See ya. Anyway, uh, who cares? <laughs>